0: To the podcast "Appetite for Distortion" episode number two hundred and ninety-four. My name is Brando, Mister Eric Martin. Thank you. Where are you today, if you don't mind me asking?
1: Ah, uh, hey Brando. I, I called you Brandon for some reason. I, I like Brando better. Let's go with that.
0: That's kind um, of the dilemma I'm in. I'm in. I'll, we'll get to that. Tell, answer your my question <laughs> first. Yeah, yeah. Hold on.
1: <laughs> I'm in uh, Northern California. Okay. Uh, I live in uh, uh, Marin County, actually. And, uh, you know, just dodging fires out here, that's all. But mm. I, I I do love it out here.
0: Okay, right on. I'm here in my apartment in, in Queens usually uh, before. Uh, my listeners have heard me say this a million times. But since the uh, apocalypse. Hey, Queens. Yeah, I'm in Queens, New York right Dude, now.
1: Dude, man, I, I was
0: actually born in Kew Gardens. That's where I was going to go to because I, I feel – so Wikipedia obviously is wrong because it says Long Island. I know Kew Gardens. That's it's not Long Island, is it? I, you know what? That's Queens. That's what I, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, but, you know, there are – I've run into a couple people over the years that say Long Island. Okay. And I guess the people that live in Queens would know, wouldn't they?
0: Well, I'm from, as we say – or we used to say, I'm on Long Island instead of in Long Island so i I grew up there, so when i w- I was researching, I'm like, "Oh, Eric is from Long Island. I wonder what town I moved to to Queens a few years ago with my fiance, so now i am I'm, I'm part of this crew, I guess but but Kew Gardens being a Long Islander always meant I had to drive on the l a e to somewhere you know it was far, so that's how I always think mm-hmm. about it. So I still think as a Long Islander, even though I'm in Queens currently
1: yeah i I was a little kid, man, I was you know the last the only thing I remember is playing
0: Kick the Can, you know? I don't remember <laughs> anything. Fair enough. I know, uh, Eric, uh, before we started recording, and I appreciate the time you take, of course, Eric Martin from Mr. Big, trying to remember. I can barely remember what happened yesterday. You're supposed to remember 30 years ago. No, your, mm. the landmark album, you know, I'll lean into it 30 years ago. It's a cliche question, but I guess I have to ask does it feel like 30 years? No. It 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 bums me out that it's
1: thirty years. Sorry. (laughs) No, no, it's you know. I knew I was getting older ten years ago. Anyway, uh, but but I this is the god's honest truth. I'm actually celebrating it and relaxing and happy about it now. Back thirty years ago, I was so panicked that it wasn't going to be number one for very long. I was just freaked out. I, I didn't do I didn't. Um, I was in shock that it was number one. I couldn't believe. And I couldn't believe that it was like spread like wildfire all over the world. You know, it's like number one in about 15 countries. Yeah. And, or, or, you know, top, top 10, that kind of thing. But I was freaked out. Now I'm actually 30 years later, <laughs> you know, popping champagne <laughs>
0: I think as you should be, you should be extremely proud. And my, and my listeners were excited to hear from you, so I'll get to some questions from them uh, later on. But not to make you feel older. I mean, I feel old, and you're going to laugh at me. Uh, uh, I don't care. You're going to laugh. I, really, I mean, I,
1: I've done a lot of great things musically. I've, all my dreams came true. You know, uh, I had. Uh, I have two. Uh, I have twin sixteen-year-old boys. Hmm. And uh I mean, granted, I, I was kind of unlucky in the love department many times, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I'm a, I've been married a couple times. I, I call myself a serial husband. Um,
0: That's all right. You're a collector. I yes
1: uh, <laughs> I've done a lot of fun stuff, and I, I'm. I don't regret any of it. Right on. Any of them. Yeah.
0: No, I, I like that. But I, th- the segue was just not to make you feel. Older because I turned thirty eight in a week. So you may be la- uh, laughing because I feel I feel old. I, I got grays in my beard. You know, uh, I've been a radio for you know. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I've been.
1: Oh my god! Well, you know, if you yeah, if you think you're old, you're not.
0: Uh, that, <laughs> you're not. That's what they tell me. But I think back because this seems like a long ago to me. Because nineteen ninety one, yeah, obviously I was young. So, but I mean, Mr. Big, being a rock fan, always was in my consciousness. But I wasn't a huge bar goer in college I went to Hofstra if you're from you know Q Gardens you know Hofstra then right Hofstra University Yeah yeah absolutely so that's that's where I went I wasn't a big bar goer especially since a lot of them would play rap music and dance music during the week as you know
1: Well that that's your that was your generation Yeah sorry about you know, that playing rap music and everything like that but and which is nothing wrong with it but
0: good rap is fine uh, I like 90s not a lot rap. Of
1: rock and roll I guess
0: No nah, I mean there was whatever it's some it was better in 1991 we'll, we'll say that but I would always oh, go <laughs> to Happy Hour because Happy Hour would play 80s stuff, and I loved it. <laughs> that would, they would play Sweet Child of Mine. They would play To Be With You. They would, you know, of course, they would do some, uh, you know, uh, Corey Hart and, and things like that. But the, <laughs> exactly. the, the, the hey, same, the same <laughs> Corey Hart. So I wear
1: my sunglasses at night.
0: <laughs> I, I love it. So, but the the point being that that same crowd, that same college crowd, that would listen to rap all week and dance music all week. When To Be With You came on, all these drunken Long Island kids and girls and fraternities and sororities would sing along to it like it was just the most beautiful song they've ever heard. And I still remember that to this day. It seems like a long time ago to me. I graduated college a while ago. But it's that song having an impact to every generation. So it's like it almost becomes new to people even though it's 30 years old.
1: Does that make sense? Well, it's a – it's a harmonious song. I mean, it's like I mean, I don't know. I don't know if this is bad or not, but it's kind of like like singing happy birthday. <laughs> Everybody can do it, you know.
0: It doesn't mean it's good, um, but no, I I see and what you're harmonies
1: saying. harmony and everything. I mean, like, you know, it's got that Beatles flavor to it. And even if you're out of tune, you still sound good doing it on the <laughs> chorus, you know. It's like by it's like almost where you hear like sports games and people are singing stuff, you know, all oh, Lang Zine, Happy Birthday to be with you. I, I guess yeah. you know that's how I look
0: at it. Was that the thought process going into that song at first? Because obviously, like no, a lot. Oh of- no! I, okay, I,
1: I was really. I loved the Beatles when I was growing up, and and I also loved my sister's girlfriends. That's who I was trying to impress. Nice, you know? and. No, it was just a fluke. It just it was I didn't even think about harmony until later on when I started singing it with other people. But yeah. I always knew it was a good song. I, I had no idea it was gonna be number one. I didn't even think rock and roll people, we don't think that way. I mean now we do, yeah, because you know, you get on the radio and you get a little taste <laughs> and you're like, Oh god, I'd love to get I'd like to get another uh, <clears throat> top twenty hit or something. I remember the record company back in the day after to be with you was so successful on that and lean into it was our second album. Every album after that was like, give me that next to be with you. you mm-hmm. know? Um, but we didn't set off to, you know, write the hit or write hits. We just wanted to have them enough notoriety that we can keep going as a band and not get dropped. I've been, I've been dropped a few times on labels. Just, we wanted to maybe have a record company, you know, massage our career a little bit, you know, get, uh, just stay afloat. And uh, I had a little comfortable little cottage, you know, little apartment and, uh, I went on tour and I had a, this was a great life, you know, I didn't know it could get any better,
0: but <laughs> I found that out. You know, right on. So you you look back on it, and seemingly it sounds you were joking around, but very fondly, because there are those, especially from that era, that may get pigeon-held. I mean, it can happen in any era, whether you're an actor or a musician. That you want mm-hmm. they want you to play one role, but you don't seem bitter about that at all. That like, oh, like produce this, you know, and it, maybe that doesn't equal the. You can't equal that height of success, but you seem to not care. You just wanted to do it for the love of, of music. Is that safe to say?
1: It is safe to say. I mean, our first album was kind of meat and potatoes, rock and roll, and the second album we wrote a bunch of uh, wrote a bunch of songs. But our, our main our main thing was every time we did a record, it was like how would it sound live, and you know, it, even like that, lean into it. The the whole the what do you call that? You know the chronological order of the songs. That was our set. You know, I'm sorry, I'm all over the place about answering this
0: uh, specific. Uh, question. I'm usually all over the place by asking them, so it's it's par <laughs> so, for the course. Yeah, you're in the right place. A I
1: was smarter in 30 years ago.
0: So was I. You're in the right place.
1: But uh, you know. Actually, I, I've been saying this a little bit uh, lately that so the first album was a little meat and potatoes. Second album, since our guitar player Paul Gilbert, he he brought in a song called Green Tinted Sixties Mind that changed the whole kind of uh, uh, our sound a bit. It wasn't just this one thing that we're going to be doing the rest of our lives. It was more, you uh, know, there was diversity in the music. And since he brought that and that in, i I, and I had, sorry, I have already, I already played To Be With You for Billy, Pat and Paul in 89 when I first met him mm-hmm. and they go, "Oh, good little song, man. Good little Beatle type of song, you know? Yeah. And so when he brought in Green Tinted, I, I said, Hey, maybe we can revisit this song again. And they were like, Oh, okay. Okay. You know, it was, uh, everybody was pretty open to do anything and everything on that second album. Mm. That's, I think that changed our, that, that kept us going. You know, we were, I, I was writing with other people as well. And I brought my songwriting partner who I'd written some solo stuff with, his name is Andre Pesis. And I brought him into the mix, almost like a fit Beatle, uh, to write with, uh, Billy Pat and Paul and myself, and that was mainly because of uh i mean I loved he was a great he's a great writer him and I' come up with these really cool lyrics and stuff but um it was mainly for logistics because I had to commute back and forth to l a from you know the San Francisco Bay area and okay. so was andre and I had to go back and forth and back and forth and like and I was, you know, Paul Gilbert would send me cassettes and I'd go through them, and then I, I wouldn't be getting together with those guys until weeks later. So it was just so much easier writing with Andre that way. Oh, God, you want to ask your question again? Because I'm just <laughs> space. I'm like, I'm a spaceman today.
0: No, all good. I mean, you've been, I appreciate your time. And again, uh, it's, you're in the right place. Uh, I want to get all these kind of stories and free associate. That's kind of what this, because it's not so much, yeah, it's an interview technically, but it's a conversation. So uh, wherever it goes, you're here, you're here oh, with me. I, so it's all good.
1: Uh, yeah. I never look at, I never look at it as an interview. That's why So I, I get, when I do interviews and there's the cameras on me and the, the little red lights on, I freak out. I completely, <laughs> I'm like nervousy nervous but it, talking in front of an audience no problem hmm. but ha- and then but having a conversation like this a lot easier it's like talking to your bartender
0: yeah that that's essentially the, the, the what I like what I like about you know radio and that's kind of the uh, the atmosphere that I want to create I want people those who listen to sound like they're the, where and they're all in the room together that's, that's 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 the feel of it so that's why I want to include uh, all the listener questions who are excited to hear from you uh, this is actually more of a comment, but you'll appreciate it anyway. Uh, this is from uh, Ken Block Jr. Met him in 1994 with Mr. Big, and he couldn't have been a nicer guy. The whole band was incredibly nice. He was one of the best live singers you could ask for. Uh, so he just wanted to leave, well, let you know that. Uh, and this is from That Raffi- makes
1: me feel, oh, man. Thank you, man. God, that makes me, I, I love a compliment. You know, it's so funny. I mean, look. Sometimes when, you know, sometimes I'm really huge fans or fans that follow you around, you know, forever, and they've seen you a million times, and they'll come to the gig, and they just want to know, uh, when's the next gig? Yeah. Where are you going next? You know, and like, God, sometimes I just wish that, you know, it was like, oh, you were great tonight. That doesn't happen all the time. It really doesn't. I know it too, God.
0: Goes a long way. I like mean, not to be doing co- my boo boos here, but <laughs> it, it it's true though. I mean, little compliments go a long way, especially now in the uh, social media age where it's so anything new comes out. It's like a bunch of beavers and Buttheads. I like Beavis and Butthead but as a cartoon. But when everyone's like, "Oh, this sucks! This sucks! This sucks! Is terrible!" No, it's you want the positives. That's why I don't wanted to make sure. Um, you know, I read some of these to you, and he's from North Carolina.
1: Oh no, no, no! If you got negative, I can ha- handle it too. Oh no, heard
0: it. No negative at all. So this is actually, and it's from all over. So as Ken was from North Carolina, uh, this is from uh, Rafael Torres from uh, Rio de, uh, de Janeiro. So I have listeners all over. Actually, he said, "I always thought Mr. Big was a very underrated band. They were awesome and deserved more recognition worldwide. I wonder if he feels the same. So he that's his question because. People call Mr. Big. It's like the what the Japan effect, like a big in Japan. So is that something you you feel you should you, Mr. Big should be bigger worldwide?
1: Actually, I kind of beg to differ a little bit okay. because we, I mean we we were never Bon Jovi big, but we we played all around. I mean, we were selling out, con, you know. 50,000 people vibe in Jakarta and like Surabaya. We've been to India a bunch of times. Uh, We've been pretty much everywhere in the world, you know? Um, And we, we were, we did great. We did great business. Um, Maybe he felt kind of like maybe how my mother felt (laughs) after, after 91, after the To Be With You kind of thing, um, we had an album called Bump Ahead, and I think Wild World was on there. We did a Cat Stevens cover. And and then after that, when the musical climate changed, they didn't play us that much in America once in a while. I mean, every day they would play To Be With You in the United States somewhere. But... You know, you didn't hear about Mister Big too much, and uh, a lot of my uh, my peers, guys in bands, you know, they it, it, the '80s and '90s kind of rock and roll stars went back to Peyton houses. You know, not they. You know, some of them. Some of us couldn't get arrested in America, but we we as a band we went everywhere else. Mm. We had the luxury. We had the... We had we were lucky to go out and play all, you know, Europe, America, Mexico, uh, Latin American, uh, Latin American countries. uh, We also said, man, UK, Ireland, everywhere. And we come home and my mother would go, how come they don't play you on the radio here? (laughs) You know, it's so funny. And, and maybe how that's how this guy feels. You know, like, you're under uh, it's an underrated band or whatever i mean we did we did good business outside of america mm. i wish we were I, I wish it kept going in america
0: you know mm. i
1: like it. everyone else
0: but you're not big good. until you impress your mom that, that's it's the same thing with my mom
1: Exa- oh my oh
0: dude unless like my a mother, podcast i you know my brother would she doesn't know how to turn on a computer so my, my brother would have to put on a podcast to hear you know me interview rock stars but if i'm a uh, you know on on fm and she could turn it on her uh, in her car that's like 20 years old oh yeah i can hear you now 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 you're somebody <laughs> i get it
1: my mother i god rest her soul gosh she was so funny i used to get so pissed off too <laughs> we'd be walking we'd be walking to a restaurant me and my kids and my mother i i specifically remember this it was like one of those i look i hate i don't go to mcdonald's yeah, you know, I hope you're not sponsored by McDonald's, but you know. I, no sponsors. I don't go to McDonald's. But they had like a little ball cage thing in there. Sure. When my kids were little. Ball pit. So I remember walking to this McDonalds with my mother and I just noticed like some van in the parking lot with these rock and roll guys coming out of it. You know, very like spicoli in <laughs> fast times of Ridgemont High. I got ya. And, and I am talking to my mother for a second and I I'm holding my kids, picking up Dylan, picking up Jacob, and we're going into the restaurant. And I look, and my mother's over there by the van talking to them, pointing to me, mouthing the words, to be with you. (laughs) It was hilarious. Uh, She did it all the time. She used to call the radio stations in um, Sacramento, California, where she lived, and, uh, and say, I didn't hear my son's music today. <laughs> Classic.
0: <laughs> oh, well, I, I appreciate your sense of humor uh, about it all. I really do. So, you know, it's, it's something it's, it's interesting because 1991, cause she's probably, she's hearing a lot of, I mean, I don't know if your mom was a rock fan, but this. Yeah, no,
1: she was a, well, she was an Eric Martin fan. And true, so it, I know, I, I mean, my mother was an Eric Martin fan, you know, I, all throughout my whole career even before Mr. Big I mean I was a uh, rock singer a soul singer R&B uh heavy not heavy metal but like harder rock I mean I pretty much did anything and she loved it all Cool she loved it I mean she probably loved the Crooners and the Franks and but she, I mean look both my parents were so supportive um <laughs> they used to, hey, Eric, get in here and you know play some acoustic guitar for our friends at the cocktail party at the Martin House, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: my God. So to go back, okay, so because going back to 1991, because I wanted to know what your mom was thinking and also what everybody else was thinking. Because you, obviously you broke out mm-hmm. and Mr. Big broke out. But I think there was a meme recently that went around that showed, it was all these cassettes piled on top of each other. Of all these albums that came out in 1991, and it was only like a small mm-hmm. amount, actually. People were like, oh, you, you forgot this one. You forgot that one. So what was that like when you're seeing Nevermind come out, Ten come out, you know, uh, Use Your Illusion come out, Actong Bay? I mean so many – go back to – I'm sure you know. Go back to 1991, one of the best years in music ever. I mean is that an overstatement, an understatement? Yeah. How do you feel about that?
1: It was it was a great great time to be to be playing music. I mean, it was something for everybody. Um, I mean, I couldn't believe you know, like when I was talking about how the musical climate changed. I couldn't believe that we had a number one single in nineteen ninety one, ninety two. I always is it ninety one? I can't remember. Anyway, I I can't believe we had a number one single. And and Nirvana and Pearl Jam were basically they were the new kids on the block, metaphorically speaking.
0: Sure, and that, that's know? exactly and what I mean.
1: A, a lot of bands. I'm sorry.
0: Uh, not sorry, not to interrupt, but that's exactly what I mean. What you're what you're talking about. So go ahead. I was just emphasizing what you were saying. Yeah,
1: I mean, I was. I'm, I'm blown away. I don't know how that happened. I just we caught the public on a good day. You know, And also, look, we've been touring with everybody since 89. Uh, it doesn't seem that, you know, 89 to 91, and all of a sudden we have a hit, but, you know, God, oh, man, I've been doing this for 45 years, practically, you know? And Billy Sheehan, David Lee Roth, he was in a band called Talis back in the day, you know, uh, from Buffalo, working his ass. So a lot of people have... Maybe not me so much, but I mean, I was kind of a regional star a little bit, but everybody knew who Billy Sheehan was as <clears throat> rock and roll people okay. and Paul Gilbert, new young gun. Pat Torpey had played on so many albums from the 80s, 90s, from Belinda Carlisle to Ted Nugent to the Knack. You know? <laughs> and we've been around for a long, long time. And then we toured constantly right when we got. Our first record, 89, we didn't stop, so I you know it's, it, was, it's, it was like campaigning, you know, and people look just I think here, here's my theory. I think everybody, you know they, they, they love Nirvana, they love Pearl Jam. They did they still love the rock and roll, but radio kind of dictated what we were supposed to listen to like what we were supposed to listen to, which is bullshit kind of, you know? And uh, I mean, our concert, I I, I didn't feel the effect. There are a few friends that are in bands from the nineties that felt the effect of uh, the grunge movement. I mean, it it didn't, to me, to me it was like seventies rock and roll, classic rock and roll a little bit the grunge movement with some punk, better lyrics than we were writing, actually, hmm. some of them. And, uh, but every, they, they were wearing the same clothes we were, you know, I don't know. Everybody kind of looked the same to me. That's a good point. But, uh, I didn't feel the effect at all.
0: That's a good really. point. Sorry. Uh, nothing to be sorry for. So what did you, what was your take on it? Like, well, how did you feel? Well, I guess you kind of answered that. Uh, were you into bands? Also, well, I like felt that, and, and I, I, Soundgarden?
1: I, I'm sorry?
0: I was just asking if you were like into bands. Like, were you a fan of bands like Nirvana oh, God, and Soundgarden?
1: Yeah, right? No, I didn't want to because it was like peer pressure because of all the other friends that, are, that were in bands and they weren't on the radio anymore or the concerts were, you know, it was like crowd light and uh, they weren't getting the attention that they once did. And they were blaming it on Nirvana and Pearl Jam, but it's evolution. It's rock and roll evolution. It's okay. Um, my mother and father used to say the same thing when 40s, they love 40s swing. And when the 50s came in, they were like, oh, man, what's this new music? <laughs> I don't like it. Elvis, Elvis Presley, what? What's going on? And then the 60s, Beatles, what? And, you know, ask my parents, can I call my hair? Like... Paul McCartney, you know. Anyway,
0: it's um, so funny to think about evolution. Yeah, it, every it, generation. It,
1: it, I didn't. I, I was pissed because of them. I think it was peer pressure to go. You're in Nevada, but it wasn't their fault. I think it was radio. It's a funny thing about um, when you go to Japan, mainly mainly in Japan, it's there's everything is on the radio. It's Justin Bieber, Aerosmith, Mr. Big, Frank Sinatra. And and that they're on rotation, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And in America, it was just like, this is what we're going to listen to, and that's it. And, you know, there was no internet. Uh, the cell phone thing didn't, <laughs> maybe there was cell phones, but not, they no cameras or anything like that in them. I remember I actually went to be with you as number one. That was my first purchase. <laughs> I go, I'm going to get a cell
0: phone. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, Not a beeper, but, it's uh, a cell phone. Nice. Yeah. Oh, what did you say? I said, not a beeper. You were a, you, you moved on from the beeper?
1: Yeah, I, I never had a beeper. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I, I never had not that. a pager. <laughs> I, you know,
0: Paging Eric a- Martin. Paging Eric Martin. None of that. I love it. Um
1: Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It was cell phone. I mean, I was gonna buy one of those uh you know, those ones like you get at the construction yard. They look like uh they look like a size fourteen shoe with a gigantic antenna. That's guy yeah, I was like, Oh, I can't wait to get one of those.
0: Anyway. <laughs> uh so if you were I'm assuming by the name of the podcast and, and I mentioned earlier nineteen ninety one, User Illusion also came out. Uh appetite for distortion. Yeah. Guns N' Roses themed. Destruction? Yeah, there you go. Well, no, Distortion is the name of this podcast and a play off the word. Oh, I thought
1: you you were talking about Guns N' Roses.
0: Sorry, man. No, no. no. So Appetite for Distortion is the name of the podcast that you're on right now, currently. Okay. Yeah, so that's obviously a play off of Destruction. And so Distortion is just a funny way. Yeah, I know you get it. (laughs) So I always try to find the six degrees of GNR Bacon between what I call GNR Bacon I'm sure you've heard of Ke- uh, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, Six Degrees of Separation. Yeah, this ain't
1: my first picnic, son. Yeah, uh, I know.
0: A, yeah, I have. Yeah, I know. Right. Uh, so I, I, whatever <laughs> – so obviously learning about you and, and learning about you know the 30th anniversary of uh, Lean Into Me, about you know promoting what you need to promote, let's find out what Six Degrees there is, connections you have to Guns Roses. So one I wanted to ask for, and I did not know, and I'm very happy to find out that you were involved. Matt Sorum, you're friendly with Matt Sorum, and you guys worked on a song for a Power Rangers movie, right? Yeah. How the, did that happen?
1: The, I can't really remember how it happened, but it was, uh, you know, I, I don't remember who put it together, but it was Ron Nevison producing it. Ron Nevison did all the heart records. Uh, physical graffiti for, uh, you know, uh, Led Zeppelin, all the Babies records, if you were like John Waite fan, Babies, oh, and so good. And uh, it was Kim Bullard, who was a keyboard player, session guy that's played on tons of uh, artist records. This guy, Tim Pierce, who played with Rick Springfield, and he plays with a bunch. He actually played on a couple uh, solo albums of mine. Uh, John Pierce, no relation. It was a bass player for Huey Lewis and the News, and Matt Sorum, just and me, you know. And they go, "Yeah, we're going to do Go Go Power Rangers," <laughs> you know, the theme thing. And I'm like, uh. first I thought it was cheesy as hell, right? And it was going, "I'm doing, I'm going to do it for the kids." Uh, I think it was, I might have been a Japanese connection okay. with Bandai, right? And <clears throat> and i love japan so anything they ask of me i'm doing it i did it for the kids and cash <laughs> and, yeah but I, but my kids my own children they were born later and uh it was always a toss up to play something when you're driving in the car they go Dad, can we hear daddy's song and i'm thinking it's to be with you and they're no it's power rangers Love it. Um yeah. Um but oh the there was a little funny thing that happened actually. And I just remembered it this the other day. So Matt Sorum, great guy, super great person, great human <laughs> and a phenomenal drummer. Anyway, we we cut it a couple times. They played it uh they played it. I was in a different room singing uh the vocals. And then we spliced it together because I think it was analog at the time. And we're, we're listening to it and uh, Ron Nevison's cutting the tape and he's making it all perfect. And he goes, hey, you guys are done. And I remember Matt going, we're never going to be able to do this live. <laughs> it was just kind of funny because no way in hell we were going to do this long live, but it was funny.
0: Oh, I would love to hear uh, that live. I'm not going to lie the the Power Rangers theme song. I think kicks ass. I mean, not, other than your, aside from oh, your kick- version, I'm into it. I it's one of those oh, theme songs that's on my ass, playlist. But,
1: <laughs> dude, it kicks ass. But I've never like I've I've sung I've done soundtracks before, and I've sung on people's records, and they got some squirrely lyrics that I've sung before, where I, uh, I don't know, I'm just conveying a message or whatever. But I have never sung the words "the ability to morph and to even up the score." I love right? it. <laughs> and I and love it was—I go—I can't wait to do this. Oh, my voice was so high; it was perfect. I, I mean, we were all kind of giggling when we were doing it, but it turned out great.
0: It really State did. The art kind of sound too. And then for those who don't know, the Power Rangers Orchestra. Uh, which was on uh, the Mighty, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. I, I'm of the age of, I, I did watch the show growing up. And, and yeah, there's a lot of nostalgia about it, but I, I had no idea. I'm like, Eric Martin and Matt Sorum did this? I mean, it just blows me. <laughs> so does that, like the, the Japanese connection, is that why you do so many uh, films and cartoon roles, I guess? Um, video games, is that?
1: Yeah, I'm, I've done a couple of, uh, I've done some animation for Japan and and all that. But, um, you know, I got to start putting on my credits. It says, you know, Eric Martin, and then it'll say, you know, Eric Martin Band, Mr. Big. I'm a part of a rock opera in Germany, so Avantasia. So I'm going to have to put Power Rangers Orchestra on that thing, too.
0: Oh, oh my God, you should. You should be so proud of that. I'm going to wave my free flag. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know we're celebrating the 30th year of Lean Into It. You know, it's very to be be proud of that. But Power Rangers, come on, that's 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 the that's the highlight of your career, I'm sure. Uh, well, a
1: <laughs> It's a highlight because it's you know when you look back on it now, it's kind of a campy thing. I love I love um, video games and animation. Uh, Japanese anime and Power Rangers it was kind of you know I didn't watch Power Rangers I'm <laughs> older right sure but it's kind of become like a kind of a cult following you know in the uh, in the what are they, I was going to say MAG not MAG it yeah and you know the graphic novels and the uh, animation stuff um, people in Japan they say it with pride and I'm, I'm I'm right there with them,
0: sure, and I think it, it just goes to show you I use this now, I think I used it with Dee Snyder, that you have so many different crayons in your crayon box that mm-hmm. what well, yeah, you could rock with the best of them, and you have the you know the the accidental ballad, which turns out to be <laughs> i mean like the biggest hit in the world. Uh, but then you, yeah. can, you can do anim- anime. You can do movies. I mean, it's, you're, you're not a one trick pony, you know, and I think that's something to be so proud of and, and your fans to follow you. It, it seems like nobody's, oh, Eric's doing this now? No, no, no. Everyone seems to be digging it. Oh, yeah. Eric's, Eric Martin's doing this now. So it's been very cool to see yeah, I mean, the progress over the last 30 years of Voice, what you've done in addition to Mr. Big.
1: I. And I enjoyed doing it. I mean, I I started off as kind of an R&B singer. I mean, I I was a drummer when I was a kid. My dad was a drummer, taught me how to play drums. And I was in this little band when I was a kid, and there was a singer that didn't show up for rehearsal. So I sang. And I did this song called uh, uh, Celebrate. It's a Motown song, but Rare Earth did it, this band from the... 70s, 60s, 70s, late 60s. And they, the drummer sang it, sung the song. And I kind of did it. And I loved singing R&B, and I really wanted to... My dream, actually, was to get in some sort of a funky and soul kind of band when I was younger, for the longest time. And then all these other... And, and then I found that I could sing Beatles music, kind of. And I could sing rock and roll, and, and even metal. Oh my God, I, I'm embarrassed to even say I, well, if the three guys, that were in the band, they're, they're going to hear this name. They're going to, they haven't heard it in years, but I was at a band in high school. It was a heavy metal band, heavy metal band. It was called fire beast. How about that?
0: Fire beast. I like it.
1: Fire beast. You mean the guy in fire beast wrote (laughs) that song to be with you (laughs) anyway. uh, (laughs) Classic. Um, Anyway, anyway, um, you were saying something about just remember this. You were saying something about being pigeonholed, and to be with you. And I don't know if I answered that question correctly, but which twenty minutes ago, <laughs> um, when people, when you know, we had a, a, a strong following, like a, a lot of guys. A lot of dudes. Uh, sometimes they'd bring their sister, you know, to look at me. I don't know. Or, or go, he's cute. And he's got a good voice. But mainly it was dudes. And they all paid attention to Paul and Billy and their pedals and their fast fingers on the fretboard. And um, <clears throat> when To Be With You and these other songs started creeping up, Just Take like My Heart was a hit, too, as well. It was, like, top ten.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And... um uh, a lot of girls uh, came to the shows, but, you know, like all the when we had a hit, and they were kind of going. Oh. I could see it in their faces And when we were playing songs like, uh, if you're a fan of Mr. Big, you'd remember "Addicted" to that Rush or Billy. She and he wrote "Shy Boy" for with uh, when he was in David Lee Ross. so we played "Shy Boy," speedy kind of metal tune, and they were like, I could see it on their face, all shocked <laughs> because they were thinking, oh. This is the same, you know, we're waiting for it to be with you, but, and over the years, maybe it's because of the that part of the nineties, they listened to everything and they loved everything, you know, and I, I don't think we did get pigeonholed into like with a, you know, ballad band because we definitely had a, uh, a strong following of, um, harder
0: rockers anyway.
1: Cool. Yeah, you can, edit, you can. If that makes sense, you can edit that in. You slip that thing in later.
0: No, it, it all makes sense. Absolutely, it makes sense, and I appreciate your your perspective on it because there are those and the bands that have come to mind. You know, Warrant, the uh, the late great Virginia uh, Lane. You know how uh, he, it just kind of was like a bane on his existence with Cherry Pie. It seemed, you know, even though it was a rocker, yeah. uh, he just didn't want to be known for that um, or uh, extreme. Comes to mind. Well,
1: because you know, when you start writing, you know, I I, I like warrant. Um, I actually opened a warrant a couple of weeks ago in uh, Indiana. I do acoustic shows as well. Cool. With me and this guy, PJ Farley from Trickster, New Jersey's Trickster from the nineties, and um, and a guy named Ben Hans, who. Uh, it Plays percussion with Kip Winger, so we we opened to to warrant the other the other day, and they have tons of great songs. But yeah, when you hear that Cherry Pie, and I know people love Cherry Pie, but it's a little sexist kind of vibe. <laughs> kind of, I know. Got, but in the nineties, I don't know. I, I don't. It's hard to explain that. I'm not. I know what you maybe mean. He, maybe but he felt it was a little too sexist. I don't know.
0: I think is now. Whether you like it or not, we look at a lot of things through different lenses. Through the, you know, I hate to bring it up now in a, in a fun conversation, but like the Me Too stuff, uh, I think as people look back, and yeah, it was the decade in the 80s and the 90s, and, you know, it's a fun cherry. but I don't look at it as like that, like, pervy. No, I, uh, I,
1: I, I, this was just my, I'm assuming that that's maybe what Janie thought. Oh, he, I, I think it was, was a great a, song. and had a great hook. People loved it, and like you said, looking through different lenses—that's that's really good. Um,
0: oh th- yeah, this uh, was like an old um, VH1 when they used to. Oh, and they are bringing it back, the behind the music. But I—it was. I'm obviously paraphrasing, but Janie was like, "You know, hey, that's that so more
1: sex in the '90s."
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but Janie was like. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing cherry pie eating contests. Everything's cherry pie. It's all the label wants to hear is another one. Wow. So it's like it's like one of those situations. And you said you said it earlier, how the label is like with future albums. Where's the next you know uh, be with you? And you're like, well, yeah. It's so that's that's what I was curious about. You know um, how some people think. And obviously you have a whole career, but there are those people that just like, hey, it's that one thing, which it, it isn't. And obviously you've you've
1: are still playing shows,
0: which is, you know, a testament to that. Uh, I, I do yeah. have to ask, and, and you can say pass or whatever if you want, because speaking of shows, look, I mean, the Rolling Stones have already announced that they're going to go forward without Charlie Watts, uh, ZZ Top going forward. I mean, it's it's difficult. Uh, you know, I would never tell anybody how to grieve or how to go forward. I mean, Zeppelin never got back together. Um how do you feel about anything in the future with Mr. Big, um, with the loss of, of Pat? you know, with the loss of Pat?
1: Pat. Uh, yeah. No, I, I don't want to pass on this. I, I definitely want to talk about it. Okay.
0: Um, I'm just being respectful. When, because, yeah.
1: Oh no, I, I, I feel you. Um, at the time I was so scattered and I didn't, I was grieving and I, and I still wanted to play. And, uh, I, I didn't know what I was doing when Pat, when Pat, so he had the Parkinson's and he had other things going on, uh, illnesses, but he continued to play with us. We brought him out on the road. He, I'm so glad that we did that because he was, he was feeling so bummed out and he was like, I'm just going to sit at home. No, no, no. You're going out with us. We got, um, we, we Billy met this guy, Matt Starr who plays drums for Ace Frehley, and they really liked him. So Matt came out on the road and did the heavy lifting drums. <laughs> My voice is cracking. I sound like a 14-year-old. <laughs> I um,
0: won't keep you on too much longer. So you can uh, no, 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 You no, take a okay. drink, I, I, you know, wet wh- 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 the no, whistle. I was... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I did that last night. Nice. Uh, no,
1: no, I, I just I just got home from the road. I got a little bit of a sore throat. And I hey. It's the way it is. That, that that's the Eric Martin voice nowadays. Right on uh, days, but anyway, where am I in this conversation? Uh, uh, so you, when yeah, uh, you had Star. You yeah, know. so Matt Star. Yeah, played the drums and Pat. At, we had a cocktail kid on the side of the drums, and he played percussion and and did uh, all the background vocals. I mean, him and I were we were the you know I sang. He was my second in uh, harmony. And then Billy sang the high part and, and Paul sang like a, like a lower tenor part, but we needed him out there. We, and you know, it was, it was good for, it, it was good for us too. Our, our spirit, you know, we we definitely wanted our, our brother out there on the road with us. So we did a couple of years of that and Pat would play maybe six songs on drums. And then it his, his body was deteriorating and it sort of, I don't know that's the right word, but he was getting sicker, but he still stayed out there and he still worked hard. And we, he went down to like playing a couple songs, like Just Take My Heart. And there was another one from an album called Stories We Could Tell, it was called Fragile. Anyway, he played, which is apropos. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so he played those songs and then he passed. And we had a, uh, we were contracted to play a tour with Extreme in Australia. And I want to say, I don't know how long it was. It had to be about five, four to five months after he passed. So we played uh, in Australia and then we also played in Europe in festivals. Incredibly surreal to look back and not see your brother back there. Mm. And you know how the people say, you know, you get, it's hard to grieve. Grieving is tough. Yeah. <laughs> it's so sad and it's hard to move forward. But, um, but you got to keep working. But in a way that masks the problem. You know, we were working and we were doing, you know, we talked about Pat all the time and we were working really hard. And then we came home and then it was like a bolt of lightning it hit me. And I remember getting all these doing these interviews about Pat. And I was I had this thing in my mind. I'm not even gonna I don't even want to go on about this, but I I didn't know what I wanted to do. Did I want to move forward? I in one interview I said, I'm done. I'm not doing this without Pat. And in another interview I said, I would like to do a record uh like a like a last hurrah. And maybe have drummers that Pat liked, you know, or maybe to do like a A tribute, a a tribute to what's the other word, like a homage to 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 Pat. Okay, that's cool And then then another interview. I'm done. You know, I was so scattered. Right. So here it is. After that Europe thing, I I don't think we did another gig. I want to say that was 2018, and. This day, uh, I mean, we've done other projects. We've put out a couple live uh, records, and then now we got the 30th anniversary. But I've talked to Billy maybe <clears throat> once a month. I haven't talked to Paul in years, mm-hmm. uh, and I talked to Pat's wife, right? And I think because of this resurgence for this 30th anniversary, which is starting to get my blood going. I'm in so many different bands, and and played so many different things with the rock up or the acoustic thing, this solo rock and roll thing I got going. A lot of irons in the fire, but my first love is Mr. Big, and I would do it in a heartbeat. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel bad about it. I'd feel like, without sounding so cliche, I think Pat would go, "What are you stupid? Get back out there, you know." Hmm. So, yeah, that's my long answer. I would love to do, I love singing. I do it all the time anyway. I sing Mr. Big Music, and I play with all these different musicians, and we do different versions, but I like to play with the real guys, actually. I love playing with Billy and Paul, and it makes people happy. And a lot of fans want to hear their Mr. Big, you know? And I would like to appease them, (laughs) you
0: know? Well, if the opportunity presents itself as somebody who has yet to experience Mr. Big live, that's something I would want to see, you know. But in the meantime, yeah, we have this great 30th anniversary edition to you know, relive these moments. Um, if you don't mind me asking also before it escapes, is there a reason, you know, um, again, if it's personal you have to say uh, that you haven't spoken to Paul Gilbert in so long?
1: Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I reached out. Well, no, I mean, I texted him and he, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not bad. I don't think it's bad. Um, I don't know. I think just, he went right into working on solo albums and I went and did my thing. We just sort of lost touch. It's not because of anything. Okay. It's just, yeah. Life. Yeah. It's life gets in the way, you know? Okay. Um, yeah, there's happy birthdays and there's merry Christmases and happy Easter and uh, that's
0: all you need. really. You
1: know, his, he did this.
0: That's <laughs> so all you silly. need.
1: You we know, you- did the silly, you know, like a silly title of his new album, um, "Werewolves of Portland." How about that? Right? <laughs> and I thought, okay, what am I gonna? What's going on here? And he had a video. It was really really neat colorful panels, videos on YouTube and it's and him and his sons in it. And I felt so good. I felt great. I almost felt like God, I wish I would have done that with my kids, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I I love Paul and I'm really proud of him and I I love all his music and shit. I call Billy all the time and say, Winery Dogs, great band, Sons of Apollo, great band, yeah, I mean there's no there's no animosity in our that I know of in our group. Well, But, you know, we'll all always have this thing because, you know, Pat Torpy, he was kind of the
0: anchor of our band. And
1: it's almost like, you know, are your parents still around?
0: My mom is. My dad is not. Yeah.
1: So my mother, when she passed away, well, we always went to my mother's house, my brother and sister's. And nieces and nephews, we always congregated at my mother's house for um, New Year's Eve and Fourth of July. Fourth of July was a big one. And I don't get to see my brothers and sisters that much. And I'm on the road and they're doing their thing. So when my mother passed away, we stopped seeing each other. It's sad. I mean, we're older and we got other things going on in our lives, but we don't make the effort like we used to when my mother passed. So when Pat passed, our mission was to bring Pat on the road with us and be, you know, we knew that he was going to eventually not go on. We you know, didn't know he was going to pass away, but we didn't, uh, we knew that he was going to stop touring probably after a certain time. And when he passed, it just took the wind out of our sails and we decided, I think subliminally, we all just kind of, not subliminally, we just kind of drifted away from each other.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, that's understandable because it's, you know, you're, always, you're. I'm sure if you guys got, when you guys get together, you can't help but think about your buddy, Pat. I mean, it's there, no, even if it's never. not brought up. So, I mean, I get it. That's part of the grieving process and... You know, um, yeah, no,
1: no, look, yeah. I, I talk to his wife, Karen, um, all the time, sweet lady. And we always talk, we, we, you know, every couple of months we just jaw about Pat and, uh, and she always, ask, she goes, Hey, you know, are you going to do anything with Mr. Pig? It's weird for me to hear her say that, but I go, I don't know. You know, look, um, I've said this before too, and this—I I, don't—I I don't know if I say it correctly, but I'm a cheerleader for Mr. Big, right? And Billy and Paul—they're the team. They don't come to practice, so I'm cheering for nobody. <laughs> I, you know that doesn't make sense, but I, like I am the guy when everybody always, always asks me, "Are you going to get Mr. Big back together?" I'm like, I don't have that authority, you know. Mm-hmm. I just have—I hope so. I definitely will carry the torch right on, but
0: uh right you know, on
1: that's, yeah,
0: no that's cool, and I think that that is so special what you did what you all did for for pat that last tour uh you you said it earlier, yeah. i mean, you figure out a way to make it happen, and you did, and um think it says a lot about you guys as as a as a band so uh that that's, oh, that's oh, great man. To hear. i well, I'm
1: glad that you you know feel that way. Uh, I remember we were at Budokan Arena and we're, we always did this thing where we switched instruments where Paul would, I, I love playing drums, but Paul always got the drums. I played bass and Billy played guitar and Pat was the lead singer on a couple, couple, uh, tours. And our last tour, we were playing, uh, Oh, yeah, and Matt Starr played guitar as well. And so, what, what did we do? We did Joy to the World, Three Dog Night. We did uh, Living After Midnight. Priest. Living After Midnight? Okay. No, no. What was the song? Not Living After Midnight. Is that it? the Judas Priest song? That's Living After Midnight? Living After Midnight, and after midnight. yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I remember um, Pat. He's wearing a leather jacket and sunglasses. He's trying to do his best, Rob Halford. And he's running up and down the stage. And I'm like, I mean, I was, I was just fooling around, but I go, are you sick? I thought you were sick. <laughs> and he goes, man, ah, this is my outlet, man. And he's running, I mean, didn't look like he had Parkinson's, you know. Mm. He used to come up on the stage. Oh, It was so weird when he did this, but it was just kind of to break the ice. He'd come up to the front of the the lip of the stage, and you go, "Hello, everybody! Hey, there's a whole lot of shaking going on." <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> right? Good for him. Good for him. It's visible, right? And yeah. we all when he first did it, like he did it 80 times, you know, on tour. But when he first did it, me and Billy and Paul were kind of like, "Yeah, <laughs> what do
0: we, yeah, what do we do yeah. here?" Yeah. I, uh, as somebody, because I know you, you can tell now, but uh, I have a physical disability. I wear leg braces, have a cane. I mean, it, I don't. I shake a little bit. Most people just think like yeah. I, don't, I don't know. It's nothing crazy. Like my hands, I. You know, that's why my my photos always suck. I always have to like try not to get a, you know, shake too much. But you got to. Yeah. Sometimes I make jokes about it. Like uh, when I had to start using a cane, I would just tell yeah. people I fell from heaven, and then they, they Oh, they, well that. Uh, they would, I know, I like that. But they would look at me like, wait, what? Because since I'm a rocker, a tattoo, they probably just thought I was being like a douche with a cane, just like uh, that was part of my shtick. <laughs> that would happen no, too. No, no. You know, so that's why I had to come up with you gotta jokes. You got to have. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Thank you. You
1: can use it. I'm, I'm glad Pat did that because there was times when, I mean, even when he told me, we, we were doing that Stories We Could Tell album. And now I want to say that's, I mean, it was way after, that was a few years ago. And uh, I'm sitting on the couch. I'm showing him, I, I wrote, you know, Billy and uh, <clears throat> Paul were on the road doing clinics and stuff. So it was a guy named Pat Regan, it's our producer, and me and Pat Torpy, and we're at Pat's house. And he had a recording studio in there. And he's just sitting on the couch. We had, he had, had like a drum machine that he was playing because we was just, I had a acoustic guitar and I'm showing him all these songs that I had sort of rewritten. I I found like a bunch of old stuff that, you know, some throw, not throwaways, but, you know, stuff that didn't make it. Paul Gilbert used to call them Sniglets. They're like tons of little Sniglets of songs. and, And I kind of cut and pasted them all together and made a really cool record that all of us wrote together. Some of us like forgot. I, I remember even showing it to Billy and Paul. Hey, remember that song? And I go, no, I don't remember that. Well, you wrote it and I wrote it and it's called, I forget to breathe or whatever. And, um, I was sitting there and Pat goes, I got something to tell you. And he had tears in his eyes and he goes, I, I have Parkinson's and we already knew something was going on. We we thought some sort of neurological thing was happening because yeah. when we got back together in 2009, and we were doing this album called what if, you know, he, he would drop a stick or he skipped a beat and that never happened. And he goes, I don't know what's wrong with my foot. It can't stay, you know, it's shaking once in a while and then it goes away. And We didn't know what it was. And we just, we put it to bed and he, he did a tour and it was great. But here we are, sitting on the couch telling me he's got Parkinson's and I'm freaked out. I don't know what to do. And he's kind of tearing up and I'm, and I just this sounds so disingenuine, but I, I this is the only thing I could think of. I I pulled a share from Moon the movie Moonstruck, and she says to to her, her her boyfriend at the in the movie, and I said the same thing to Pat. I go, eh, snap out of it! Let's go! Let's get back to work!" Right?
0: He might have needed that, and he was like, "Okay,
1: let's go, let's do it." Right on, was- and it was almost the same thing where he says. When he's on the lip of Budokan stage and saying there's a whole lot of shaking going on, kind of breaks the ice, you know? Yeah. But anyway, yeah.
0: Well, I appreciate you sharing yeah. all of that. I mean, a lot of people can relate. I mean, my, my fiance's dad has Parkinson's. I mean, it's uh, it affects a lot of people. So hopefully oh, more awareness out there, something can be done. You know, I'm lucky I can live my life. You know, I have a, I have demyelinating peripheral neuropathy. It's very sexy. It's kind of like the. Uh, it's well, I have laden. no, I have no pain. Uh, it's kind of like just like the uh, the nerve version of MS, if you want to call it that. Like okay. it's more of like weakness and maybe a balance thing. So that's why I wear, you know, leg braces and uh, a cane. But like, have you, have you had it your whole life? Uh, more or less. I since I was ten, it, my, my parents had noticed oh, right. I, I came home with a limp, uh, out of nowhere. So it was kind of like a some, I guess I like go a, a mutation thing that happened at some point because it's not hereditary in my family. So I mean, these are things I, Hmm. you know, it means something to me and other fans because obviously I'm not the only handicapped Mr. Big fan out there. But to hear that, you know, to to hear people going through struggles, you know, what I somebody with MS I haven't spoken about it yet and has to relate to the podcast and maybe this will help uh, segue into. Getting you out of here so you can rest your, your voice. But when I went to go to the Guns N' Roses. <laughs> no, no, man. No, no, it's okay. When I went, love talking to you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, when I went to go see Guns N' Roses recently, I saw them twice. I saw them in uh, at the time I'm talking about it now, it was in New Jersey. So I get handicap seats now. I mean, back in the day, you know, maybe I would f- try to be up against the stage and hold on for dear life. But now, you know, I don't right, want to. Yeah. I'm an old 38 year old. You know, I don't want to deal with it. So I just get the handicap seats. And I see somebody – I'm there with my, my fiancé, roll up in a wheelchair, obviously, and it's somebody I recognized. I, I hadn't seen in years. I wasn't sure. I had to look up it on Facebook, but somebody I knew from elementary school. And she was not handicapped then. You know, that She had c- – came down with MS. And it, But she's there mm-hmm. rocking out the Guns of Roses. I think she went to Dropkick Murphys with her husband uh, the other day. So there are plenty of – you know, handicapped musicians out there, fans. So like whenever there's an opportunity to talk about, I know this. it's different than uh, Parkinson's uh, right now, but it's all in the same ballpark of, of the struggles that we have to deal with. And uh, it, it's very cool to hear Pat was supported by you guys at the end, because there might be oh, people absolutely. like, you know, hey, sorry, you know, you can't, you can't cut it. Uh, I'm sorry. It's, but that didn't happen, obviously. So um, it's, it's, just, it's, it's, What is obviously a sad story, Um, there are some silver linings to hear things like that, which kind of put a smile, at least on my face. Um, So to get you out of here, to kind of move away from, I guess, some of the sad stuff, because I I like talking to you, too. We could be here for hours. But since it is a GNR podcast and you're friendly with Matt Sorum, I'm just curious if you have any Guns N' Roses stories. Like, have you seen them in concert? Uh, Do you know any of the guys other than Matt Sorum, anything GNR-related uh, that you could possibly oh, yeah. share.
1: I've played with Duff McKagan a couple of times at festivals. Um, I think it was, I think Mr. Big were on tour and we were, ah, God, I want to say this is a place called, I'm probably getting it wrong. I've been to Europe so many times and I can't believe I'm going to get this right. Leipzig, Germany, Leipzig, something like that. And there's a big festival out by the airport, thousands of people uh, easily, easily a hundred, maybe, you know, and, uh, Jeff McKagan was opening in the beginning. I went in and talked to him too. And I, I, I know all these guys that actually worked for Guns N' Roses back in the day, this guy, Tom Mayhew mm-hmm. and, uh, and his brother and, um, just a bunch of people that have worked in that, uh, organization. So anyway, here I, I went backstage and I kind of hung out with Duff after his show, and he gave me a t shirt. He was it was Duff McKagan's, I I think loaded. Yeah. And I go, I'm gonna wear this on stage. And he goes, You don't have to do that. And I go, No, I'm gonna wear it. Mainly because all my shit was dirty. <laughs> not not just mainly. I, I loved uh, I love Guns N' Roses, a great band. And they were, I've seen them play a live a few times. I actually saw him with Metallica and, uh, it was neck and neck, man, because Metallica actually was pretty good. It was the first time I ever seen him. But, um, uh, I wore a Duff McKagan shirt on, on a bunch of Mr. Big festivals after that. It looked cool. <laughs> I,
0: that's, but, a, um, that's a good six degrees. Nice. I like that.
1: Yeah. I didn't, uh, and I played with, um, God, I'm gonna say dizzy. It's not dizzy Reed. What's the other guy? Well, I can't remember. His he, he, the guitar player.
0: Oh, Izzy like, Stratland. You're talking about? <laughs> no, no. Oh, not. slash okay. uh, Richard Fortus. You
1: got an Izzy, and it's the other guy. Which
0: the, the Richard Fortas? That's the other guitar player. No, nope, then slash
1: it's back it oh. Gilby.
0: Oh, Gilby. Guitar. I forget it. Gilby. Okay, Gilby Clark. Yep,
1: yep. So yeah, so I I I've done some gigs with Gilby as like. I think I I opened to him or he opened to me. I can't remember, but, but, uh, yeah, just my connection is Duff and Matt and, uh, Gilby. Oh. I, I know, uh, Bumblefoot, you know, we, we, we have a lot of the same friends. Um, yeah. I would let, you know, uh, I don't. I never met Axel. I would like to at one day, and I have run into Slash. i been. I was introduced to Slash once. So, nice people.
0: It's so funny to hear. Uh, and I'm curious if anyone else who listens to the podcast picks up on it. Those who, when I ask this question, like, I've never met Axel, but I would like to. <laughs> it's kind of situation. But I would love to know your opinion. I guess of Axel as a vocalist. You know, uh, but what do you think about I, him?
1: I look at him more as a performer, you know, but and I didn't really care for some of it. Uh, I mean, I love Guns N' Roses. Trust me, I love it. And it's kind of almost a thing where, God, I don't. I, uh, I know you have know, like Motley Crue fans going at oh, that. Eric Wright, he sucks. I didn't care for Vince Neil either, but certain songs made uh, I I was uh, Dr Feelgood kicked ass. Cool song. His voice sounds great. November Rain floored me. And then I became an instant, like, then I trained my ear to go there. Because I'm more, like I said, you know, I like the soul rockers like Paul Rogers and um, with melody and soul, you know. And I didn't get Axel in the beginning. And then I, when I heard him do November Rain or Live and Let Die, actually. That's when I kind of went, oh man, this guy's got something. okay you know, to cool. be perfectly honest
0: which is what I want and I like that perspective too you know and that's w- what I said about you early on and I think what Axel wanted to show after appetite of all these different crayons in his box that he can do a November rain you know when he's not yeah. just um, you know it's so easy. Uh, one more last thing is because it's something I, 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 I forgot to ask earlier. Uh, While I got you here, is there any more to the story about, I forget how it's, I'm paraphrasing, I think something that you said, uh, chickening out of a Van Halen uh, audition? Oh, man, I'm not going there. (laughs) That's the biggest thorn in my side, man. Uh, Oh, okay, I know what
1: you're going to say. Okay, so I was invited to uh, audition for Van Halen, okay? Talked to him on the phone two or three times, flew down to L.A., or up to LA knew people that work for the Van Halen organization. um, New Michael Anthony, actually, but yeah, the first just to be asked to come on down and, Hey, you know, uh, like he, he said, quote, uh, So I I did a record with uh, Danny Korchmar, and Greg Ladani, who both produced Building the Perfect Beast. And the, and all the musicians that had played on that record played on my record. We were in the same studio together. So Danny Korchmar was in New York, and he ran into Eddie, and he said, this kid's really good, and he, we just did a record, and blah, 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 blah. So here's a quote. He calls me up, and he goes, hey, I'm I'm Edward Ben Halen, and I... Danny Korchmar told me about you. I listened to your record and man, you're a great singer, but I hate your record <laughs> because I hate your record. And I, uh, I recorded the conversation with one of those little suction cup, little dealios, you know, cause nobody was going to believe me. Eddie Van Halen's calling my house. right? <laughs> and <clears throat> it was a really cheesy recorder and I still had the cassette and I listened to it, and it's like, hey, this is Ed ben Allen, you know?" And I'm going, yeah, yeah. And he goes, you know, my voice is so, I was so nervous. And he, he goes, uh, he even said, are, are you all right? <laughs> you <know? laughs> and he goes, uh, yeah, I love your voice, man. You've got a great singing voice. Um, But I, 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 I hate your record. You shouldn't be doing that kind of stuff. And I'm on the recording going, yeah, you're right. You're right, man. <laughs> it does suck, and I'm like, Capitol Records. I just, the record just came out. I'm like, you're right, man. It sucks.
0: Whatever he I'm said, like, yes, Eddie. Sure.
1: Totally stupid, you know. And uh, anyway, so you still I'm not have that? Go down this avenue. I'm just saying. Yeah, I chickened out, and, <laughs> and I wish I would have done it. Just it would have. It looked. It would have looked better, and I wouldn't have to keep. And it's my big mouth that said something 25 years ago um, that, you know, I was asked to audition for Van Halen. I don't know what I was thinking when I said it. And then now I have to tell people, yeah, well, yeah, I I was uh, two miles from 5150 and his house, and I just went, I can't do it. Uh, I remember my wife, I, I, I was, my, we girlfriend and boyfriend back then. She goes, "Did you do it?" And I go, oh, "Stacy, I can't do it." Oh man, it was so embarrassed. It was. Thank just... God I got Mr. Big. Mm. Thank God I would have been that guy.
0: Wow. You know? You're right. So it, you know what though? I mean, that's just life. I mean, that's just. Um, I mean, I probably, I'm glad I asked this, this question last because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that there's a lot to uh, kind of unpack there, but. mean just to still have that moment you know and and, and hey
1: look you know nobody nobody ever talks about the other thing where so i was also invited to audition for toto yeah and i did toto for for a good week in the rehearsal studio with the whole band and man they you know i sang every song like all the ones that everybody knows you know that the Africa, Hold the Line, Rosanna, Rosanna Pamela, everything. And um, I didn't get it. I didn't get the gig. They got, uh, I don't know if they got Joe Williams. Maybe it was Fergie. No, maybe it was Joe Williams. Yeah. Which they made a great choice. He was perfect. Um. Hey, I got, here. here's another one. This is another one. and And look, I did the Toto thing. I definitely did it. And uh, I wanted the gig, but it didn't work out. Here's another one, okay. which I, it's not me putting my foot in my mouth even saying it, but so Mick Jones uh, was sort of whining and dining me to be in foreigner. Mm. And this was my kids were just born, right? They were, li- no, they weren't just born. Maybe they were like one or two. And, it was in Mr. Big uh we we split up um you know, we had Richie Kotzen for a minute for two albums, get over it and actual size, and I wanna say that was two thousand four or five when they called Corner. Anyway, Mr. Big had had we had taken this long ass hiatus for about five, six years and didn't get back together until two thousand nine. But in the interim I had nothing going on. And I didn't want to do anything, really, because I, all these all these stories of rock star friends of mine that missed uh, births of their children or didn't, you know, I had the luxury of, it was, it was a fluke, you know, it was kind of a bummer that Mr. Big wasn't doing anything, but I had the luxury of staying home for, for about two or three years to raise my children with my wife, you know. And then Foreigner called, and good Lord, I wanted that gig so bad. And Mick Jones sent me the real, I still have them, the real basic tracks without the vocal on it of uh, uh, Feels Like the First Time, uh, Cold as Ice, and Urgent, right? Mm-hmm. And. I, I, I went in the recording studio, or I think we had a recording studio at the time, my wife and I, and just a little 12 track or whatever it was, and I sung those songs and I sent them back and and he, he wanted me to do it and I just, it wasn't chickening out, I just I, I waited out and I went, I really want this gig, but I'm going to disappear from my son's life. And I opted i said no i'm not gonna do it i sang the song knowing the back of my head look i should have did that van halen thing i could have had bragging rights but i'm gonna do i'm gonna do this just to so it's on record that i did something you know mm. and i did it and then i didn't shake it out i just went off oh, Forget it man I, I can't i'm not leaving my kids because my two biggest dreams of my life was to get in a really great rock and roll band where i, where I, I saw the world And my second dream was to have children. Hmm.
0: And you did both.
1: I wanted to be a dad. I wanted to be a dad and I wasn't going to ruin it. Wow. There you go.
0: Wow.
1: And Kelly Hansen, who is also a perfect fit for foreigner. So I made the right decision all all around.
0: Yes, you did, man. Wow. I mean, everything you've said, I mean – I, I wasn't sure what to expect, but you are just so much nicer than advertised, and just the things that you do for the people that are in your life that care about you and your priorities. Uh, I just think is um, I hope a lot of people took things away from you, your, your perspective. So th- this was a real pleasure. I mean, just not just to talk about Mr. Big, but everything, uh, Power Rangers, you know, uh, Guns of Roses, everything. You know, but a lot of look, stuff. yeah,
1: a lot of things. Thank you. Thank you for all these kind words you're saying. I love, I, you know me, man. And so now that, that's the second compliment. Thank you. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, but it all, you know, I know we didn't discuss, lean into it that much. But I I said earlier how I've done a lot of great things and I don't regret any of it. Maybe the Van Halen thing, just a tiny t- eeny weeny bit, but not really because I wouldn't, I would you know, just getting a little sidebar for Van Halen it wouldn't it wouldn't have been Van Halen with me, it just wouldn't I'm a great singer and I, hey look, I got confidence, I just didn't have it then, but I I I. I, I wouldn't have been a good fit, David Lee Roth you know, Sammy Hager they're, they're the Kings, you know, mm-hmm. Jerry Sharon did a better, a great job. I, I, I just didn't think, uh, I didn't have, I didn't think I'd be perfect. I was perfect. I thought, I, Hey, when Billy Sheehan gave me that call in 1988, that was a perfect fit.
0: Yeah, it was. So, you know, let's, uh, let's end, let's wrap up here then since we, we, we were going, we were leaning into other Uh, topics and conversations too much more than, I guess, lean into it. What can people get from the uh, 30th Anniversary Edition, which you can, you know, the digital versions, there are hard copies, like what extras can people get from uh, the lean into Uh, the 30th Anniversary Edition?
1: Well, look, I'm not a technical person. There's all kinds of remastering stuff on it and surround mixes and, I'm I'm looking at this page that they give you, you know, to tell talk about it, right? <laughs> and uh it's so technical that you're talking to a guy who basically I, I still have to have my ex wife set up my stereo. Okay, <laughs> I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I just know that a lot of collectors are just loving it. I have friends of mine in a record store. Um, you know, when they they call me, Oh, record store day's coming and Black Friday and all this stuff. And they go, oh, you got to come in because the new Zeppelin or whatever it is, you know, and I go, yeah, Mr. Big got all this stuff coming out. I'm like, okay. (laughs) You know, And it does have a, there's a lot of stuff. Plus look, I'm excited because I, I do collect records and it's red vinyl on the lean into it album. And also as a singles, a seven single box set. And it's got like blue, green, yellow, purple, you know, vinyl and everything's been remastered. And uh, I got the singles uh, box set just recently. I'm still waiting for my lean into a 30th anniversary. <laughs> I want to hear it again. Cause you know, this is God's honest truth. I haven't heard lean into it in its entirety. Uh, I mean, I play the music all the time. But I haven't heard it in its entirety in years and years and years. And I would love to hear it with like some fresh ears, like everybody else, you know.
0: Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. In addition to, I'm not even though I'm, I'm I work on technical things. I'm not, I, I guess I fake it. Uh, yeah, a lot of remastered versions, and there are some bonus tracks. Uh, Stop messing around, yeah, the, Wild Wild Women. So there's a lot of like hard to find, you know, bonus tracks oh, and remastered yeah, well, Wild
1: stuff. Wild Women. Let me just say that Wild Love Women I hadn't heard in years. Me and my uh, partner, Andre, wrote it. Uh, it was kind of a bluesy rock song. It did make the record. There was a, there was a few songs that didn't make the record. And that was one of them. I, I didn't even remember writing it. And then the other one, which I loved, I pushed for it so hard. It was called Stop Messing Around. And that did make the record. For one little thing, Pat Torpey said it sounded like Aerosmith, and I'm like, "So, right?" <laughs> and I go, "Dude, it sounds like Aerosmith." Yeah, I, I was influenced by Aerosmith, and I guess yeah, but it's a lot like Aerosmith. Like, still, I was going. I, I remember I could see myself in Fantasy Recording Studios in Berkeley, going, "So, <laughs> we need, you know." And uh, he goes, "Nah." Let's pick this one. What about To Be With You? I don't know if that was the case, but, you know, it's the luck of the draw, luck of the Irish, who knows, but taking songs out of the hat, it just, it it all worked out. But now we get to hear these two songs, and I did hear Stop Messing Around. Uh, They um, emailed me some audio files of Stop Messing Around. I was like, oh, man, this is a... The song kicks ass. And then, you know, in the back of my head, I wish it was on the album. Well, it's on the album now. You know? <laughs> hey,
0: the Stones just did it. They just released a song that was supposed to be on, was it Some Girls, maybe? But like a song that didn't make the album, but it was still a great song. So it is really special to for fans to hear these things that have been on the cutting room
1: floor. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like even, I don't know why... I only heard a teeny piece of that song, Doom and Gloom. I love the release really but I uh, it was on the airplane coming back from Atlanta and a, that Country Honk album and Doom and Gloom and there's something else on there too. But yeah, I like these little bonus tracks. So the ones that didn't make it, there's a lot of tunes, a lot of Sniglets and a lot of tunes in Mr. Big Road that didn't make it.
0: Hey, coming from a, um, a Guns N' Roses fan where we are begging – begging for new music that we know exists uh we don't get it maybe we will in the future but meanwhile we get mr big which is (laughs) i'm not gonna complain oh i can't forget this so this whole time we're doing this interview one of my three cats is next to me sleeping and his name is mr big
1: Get that. Uh, get shut the front door.
0: <laughs> he was technically, well, first we call him Piggy, but his real name, if cats have a real name, is Mr. Big. He was named after the sex in the city, Mr. Big, but I <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't God.
1: know.
0: Why did, you, I, why did, I ruin why did it?
1: you have to say that, Brando? <laughs> why would have to say that last part, man? I think I just I think offended him. Like he was named him. after Chris Knopf.
0: <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> you know. See, you know. I think I just offended Mr. Yeah. Big. He just got up after sitting here for an hour next to me. I love it. Uh, Eric, this was more than a pleasure. Thanks for going overtime. I know we were scheduled for a shorter time, but it was just, I felt like I, I, I have known you, you know, you were super friendly. You made this, made my job easier. So just, uh, thank you for your time. And I'm looking forward to everything you have in the future. Assuming the apocalypse, you know, agrees with what you, you can and can't do. Oh God, trust me at the mercy of that plague, man. Yeah.
1: Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'll let you know, but I, mean, I just, I'm basically, I'm out on the road. I'm, bu- I just booked a South American tour for next year. Um, so I'm doing, uh, you know, I'm living, I'm living the life that I wanted. So I'm happy about it.
0: Awesome. That makes me happy. And next time you're, you're in your old stomping grounds of, of Queens or Long Island, I'll be sure to see you and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll fist bump since shaking hands aren't allowed anymore. We'll, we'll, we'll fist bump,
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Well, Eric, thank uh, you so much.
1: I, I, hey, hey, in a sidebar, I know it's, we're still recording this, but yeah, boy, you really had me at "I fell from heaven." That's a really, <laughs> that's a great thing to say. I mean, yeah, it that took makes, a while. Makes you feel good anyway.
0: Thank you. I mean, it took a while. It's funny, I um, because I was self conscious for a while. I mean, when you have things that of like course. with Pat, yeah. you. Know, you I mean, you live half your life. I mean, I maybe I had ten years of living my life, uh, a, a quote unquote normal. But things start to happen. You don't know how to break the ice when people th- like you think people are staring at you or things like that. So, you know, it it took some. Uh, there were some bad ones. I used to say um, to a girl, to girls, I I was crippled by your beauty. They didn't like that. <laughs> Stupid. yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: and, and i'm sorry to say like you probably thought that was uh, pretty cool snily whiplash but i
0: don't know <laughs> it wasn't Nick it never flowed that well and like no don't say that so
1: <laughs> hey look you, hey you gotta dip your toes in the water i get it
0: yeah exactly so now uh i mean my my fiance does, couldn't care less so we go to concerts everywhere together you know i have a cane one hand her hand in my other hand and Let's, let's go. Let's go. So that's why it's life uh, is good, bro. Yeah. Life sounds is good. D- hey, bro, sounds good.
1: All right. I'm going to go and uh, make some, uh, I'm going out with my sons tonight. Okay. To a Chinese restaurant. I haven't seen them in a week. Boys and night out. Hang.
0: All right. Well, I hope you get yep. a good fortune in your cookie. And uh, Eric, th- again, this was a pleasure. Thank <laughs> you so much.
1: Thank you. Good talking to you. Yeah. Well, we're going to do this again. I'm, 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 I see the future. All
0: oh. right. Awesome. Usually I'm the one that says, I want to do this again. You beat me uh, to it, so thank you, Eric.
1: Thank God you didn't say, usually I'm the one that says, I'm the one who wants to be with you. All
0: right. Uh, (laughs) You you know what's funny? My listeners will laugh. My last episode uh, where I was teasing that you were coming on, I said, Mm. I I really want to be with Eric Martin then. But I'm like, I'm not going to say that to him on the episode, so I'm (laughs) going to get it out now. So I really did get it Thank out in, in the episode before this. So it's really funny, yeah. Because how many well, hack DJs? It. How many hack DJs say that to you? Well, everyone.
1: Oh, are you kidding? Oh my!
0: All right. Yeah. I
1: mean, every fan mail back in the day, it was that way. <laughs> well, that's <It>
0: hilarious. <laughs> All right. Well, look,
1: look, hey, look. <laughs> I, I know you got so much stuff to to um, edit or whatever you do, but I got to tell you this really quick. So when when lean into it came out, there was about four singles that came out first and then to be with you. And what we didn't put, they didn't put it out. They just started playing it. It was, he was playing like this guy, John, I, I remember the guy, his name was John Terry from Lincoln, Nebraska. He did a smash or trash thing mm. him and a, a few other DJs and program directors around the country did it and it spread like wildfire. Anyway, the good old days. When we of were radio. working that lean into it album, nobody really knew who I I was. You know, it was this is MTV was just starting to play the To Be With You thing, and most people knew Billy and Paul, but they knew me after the gigs. They go, "Uh, uh, you're the singer, dude. Could you go get Billy?" <laughs> All the time, like nice. for, forever, and even if, not in San Francisco. I was like, they go, <laughs> Eric,
0: you know, but no,
1: everywhere else, you're the singer, dude. And um when uh to be with you was number one, it which it put my face on the map, everybody oh my god, like it was just I I felt it, you know. I, I was in London with uh Mr. Bigman in the airport and his family from India are uh you know, they got all their luggage and they got a baby carriage and a whole bit. And then late and the mother just screams and runs over, and she got Pat Torpey he was so pissed off. She knocks, she knocked Pat over, and he fell over his suitcase, and she's, like, hugging me and crying, right? <laughs> and I'm like, God, Jesus, wow, this is like, like people know me? And so um, I was playing this gig in the United States, and this the same kind of thing, I'm, I'm backstage, outside in the parking lot, talking to the fans, and they go, hey. You're and I'm thinking in the back. I go, that's right, Eric Martin. They go, you're the to be with you guy. <laughs> anyway, I just thought I'd that funny story.
0: It is funny, and I and I do like it. And I'm not going to edit anything out. The only if if I may if I seem like I'm in a rush, it's because and I've said this on the, the podcast as well. Uh, the podcast is just kind of a um a passion project that ties into my actual radio job. So one of the things <laughs> I actually do. Is I work on Keith Sweat's radio show. You know Keith Sweat, the R and B singer. Yeah. So I have, yes, I work on his radio show, the Sweat Hotel. So I have to go connect with Keith Sweat and have him record some liners for stations. That's what I got to do. After. What? <laughs> what's What's he like? He's uh, he's in. The, I met him literally once because he's usually just talking to him like I'm talking to you now, and he's nice. I mean, he's you know quick. He sings. He uh, he's like, all right, let's go, let's, let's go, let's record and uh we record and that's it. You know, it's we it's never oh, like it's never a conversation like this. I'll tell you that much. But wow,
1: I thought it would be. Well, uh maybe. I enjoyed talking to you. I'm glad there was no other uh interviews after this. I I, I you know, you got a little bit of a gift to ga- gab and I <laughs> I'm Mr. big mouth. Oh, thank you. I mean, I would have uh, kept
0: if you had us another one after. I mean, I've I've done 7-minute interviews, 8-minute interviews. That's no big deal.
1: Oh, no, no. I I hate cutting people short. That's why I even tell uh, my publicist to. They go, Eric, thirty minutes. I'm like, no, as long as you want. I don't care. I mean, better, better to. I mean, I'll let you know. Like I hey, look, uh, you know, uh, I got to catch a train, or, uh, you know, or <laughs> I got
0: to go uh, clean the refrigerator. You know, I got to go.
1: I have to. Uh,
0: I get it, but in, to, in my head, yeah. honestly, I had a half an hour in my head, but there, it's feedback from listeners. Because it's – podcasting is – as we talk about radio, podcasting is obviously different. So you, it's like what's the right length if there is a right length? And people could stop and start as much as they want. And I also look at how the conversation is going. This was a great conversation. It doesn't feel like an hour and a half. So it's – this is great. So this was a, a pleasure and uh, I, I won't even get to say uh, I hope we get to do this again because you said that. So I, I look forward to see what's – What's coming out? Uh, if you'll do another Power Rangers movie, or or, or what's going to happen? We'll see. <laughs> you, you love the. Power I know. Rangers I know. <laughs> I it. love it. I love it. <laughs> Eric, okay. thank you so much, and you have yourself a great day and a, a great dinner with your sons. Thanks, brother. Are All you, right. You know, I'll see you, Brando. Thanks. So that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. Thanks again for hanging out. However, you consume the podcast, whether it's on iHeart Radio, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or you watch. ...on our YouTube channel. Just thanks for spending some time with this Guns N' Roses-themed podcast. I know there's a lot of ways to entertain yourself nowadays, and the fact that you, you choose this to be part of your day, uh, it's awesome. It's what keeps me motivated. It keeps me going. Also, what keeps me going is the fact that I am scheduled to interview Jerry Cantrell for the next episode. You never know what can happen, but as far as confirmed goes, It's confirmed. Maybe not Axl Rose loving Taco Bell, as he famously tweeted. Level of confirmed, but what is? But that should be <laughs> that should be the next episode. And please keep submitting, uh, volunteering to do reviews on this podcast. That's been a great, you know, kind of a surprise. Honestly, I, I think it, I started it just uh, what this this past month, August. As this is the first episode of September, so just like last month, really. So I want to say and he's responding right now on Instagram. So this is in real time because you can, however you want to you know reach out. It's been on Facebook, people have hit me up, people have hit me up on, on email at the AFD show at gmail.com, Twitter. So this is Steve Fisher. Maybe you'll be surprised that I'm reading out our Instagram conversation. So find appetite for distortion on Instagram. So Steve Fisher writes, "Hey, Brando volunteering myself, if you're looking for any reviewers for the September 23rd show in Columbus, Ohio, let me know. I've been a listener since day one. Love the podcast. And you know what, Steve? First time I'm uh, reading your name. I said this before. It it means so much. Not every listener I know is going to be active on social media and comment on all the you know the the stupid polls that I have, or what song you like better, or absurd, or my world, or any of those silly posts that I make. So it's real nice to see these unfamiliar names and and kind of meet you. Oh, getting texted by my uh, my my girlfriend who is now she's gone for a week. She's seeing Dave Matthews for three days at the uh, at the gorge. <laughs> so she is to Dave Matthews as what we are to Guns N' Roses. So Steve. You're gonna do a review. No, Dave Matthews reviews on the show. So, uh, thank you, Steve. And uh, he just wrote back, "Woohoo! Thanks. Looking forward to it." It's because I said, "Yeah, let's do it." So, be like Steve. If there's a uh, a show coming up, as Guns N' Roses continues to tour, knocking on wood, as all these other shows are, you know, uh, other concerts are either completely going off the rails or postponing dates. The, the GNR, aside from a couple Wolfgang dates. It's going. knocking on wood. So just uh, volunteer. And perhaps you will be on a future episode of Appetite for Distortion. So that does it. When will you see the next episode? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you will see it. I don't know if soon as it works. No! Fuck it! No! Yeah!
1: Thanks to the lame ass security, I'm going home.